Welcome to The Unapologetic Woman. I'm your host, Pyle Berry. With over a decade of a blended experience in clinical psychology and global leadership development, I've dedicated my career and life purpose to empower women to believe I deserve a seat at the table and it's about damn time. But how do you create synergy between who you are and how you lead? On this podcast, we address that inner critic holding you back, release narratives that no longer serve you, and explore how to use your leadership platform to make an impact around diversity, equity, and inclusion. Simply put, I cut out the bullshit. I'm here to share inspiration, practical tips, and have challenging conversations with other badass individuals who are shifting the narrative for all women. So let's stop apologizing for who we are and rise together as the unapologetic woman. Hey friends, and we're back for another episode of The Unapologetic Woman, and today is going to be an incredible episode because I'm talking to Jacqueline, who is the founder and the CEO of the JW Method and a chief success officer to the modern ambitious woman. And really what we're going to be talking about today is something that women do not talk about enough. It's what women shy away from, and it's honestly what women have been societally ingrained to not think about. And we've been put in a position for decades, generations where we have to be dependent on men for this. And what I'm talking about is our financial wealth and how we show up for ourselves, how we look and not just even have financial wealth for ourselves, but our mindset behind it, how we have our relationship with money, all of that, that as an entrepreneur, as a woman, doesn't matter what position you're in, this is going to be so crucial for you to tune into. So I am so excited to welcome Jacqueline. Welcome so much to The Unapologetic Woman. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm so excited to talk about this today. Like you said, this is not talked about enough. And so many women bury this conversation or defer to the man in their life to make the decisions. And I just love that we are having this conversation on the open stage so that we are able to allow women to make empowered financial decisions without the burnout. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so excited to talk to you because you've had such an incredible journey yourself. And before we get into that, I want you to just go ahead and introduce yourself and tell the audience a little bit about who you are why you decided to build out the JW method and your whole story. Yeah. So as mentioned, my name is Jacqueline Ralphie and I'm the founder and CEO of the JW method and JW consulting Inc. And I'm a chief success officer to my clients. So my whole mission is to help the ambitious woman unapologetically shatter the glass ceiling to trade burnout for balance and stagnation for success. The reason why I'm so passionate about this is because I was a woman that worked on the trading floor. So I started my career in capital markets on the trading floor at the young age of 21 years old, I was given $500 million to cover from a sales perspective and a third of Canada. And it was literally a sink or swim mentality. Um, We were joking about this earlier. My boyfriend's father literally called me PTA, planes, trains, and automobiles, because I was literally always on one. I perfected living out of a suitcase, like quite literally for those two years of my life. And then I switched into private sector and actually ran a global sales team. So I was promoted to director of global sales at the age of 23 years old. Again, I was given another $200 million to handle in a team of six people at the age of 23, which was a whole feat in itself because the average age was like almost double mine. So (laughs) a whole other level of psychology there of learning how to manage those individuals. But 
the whole reason why I launched the JW method is because I was an ambitious woman in corporate working on the trading floor, literally Wolf of Wall Street on steroids, male dominated environment that really felt the glass ceiling, really felt the burnout culture, the pressure, the exhaustion that it took to be an ambitious woman that wanted to be bigger than what the corporate structure kind of allowed her to be. And then when I switched into private, it was the same thing, right? Like I always say, the universe gives you the same lesson over and over and over again until you learn it. And I switched industries, I switched companies, I switched career paths basically. And was like, oh, this will fix my burnout this time. The universe gave me the same lesson 10 times worse. So when I finally left that job, I was actually in France and we were in Burgundy on a wine trip. And it got to a point where I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not doing this. So I literally flew home and quit that same day. And from that lowest point of burnout, exhaustion, manipulation, weight fluctuation, shot adrenal glands, Mm -hmm. hormones that were all over the place, which I'm still fixing two Mm -hmm. years later. That was when the JW method was born, where I decided enough's enough. The ambitious woman deserves support in a very different way than traditional standards allow. And I couldn't find that. So I decided to make my own. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. You said so many things I cannot wait to dig into. And (laughs) what I want to first start with and touch on is that we talk a lot about being in male dominated spaces and women standing up unapologetically and just carving their own space, but you were really in the trenches. And so what was that like at a very young age, right out of college, just going straight into the trading floor? What was that like for you as a young girl? Yeah. So as I mentioned, I started when I was 21, right? Mm -hmm. So you're still finding yourself as a woman, as a partner, even just you yourself as a person in your career, right? So I was thrown into, again, this environment where 95% man, right? And like the trading floor is very interesting because it's a big open room. It's not like everyone has offices. It's literally Wolf of Wall Street, guys. Like huge desks, open room, like bells, whistles, the whole nine yards. And it was difficult, right? Because they tell you certain things in order to be successful. Like, you know what I mean? When like, you can't dress a certain way, you need to wear the shoulder pads and be more masculine or to be taken more seriously, or you need to drop your voice a few octaves lower to be taken seriously on calls. And that really bothered me because as someone who was young and ambitious, like I have always been very confident and I didn't want to feel like I had to compromise who I was or what made me feel my best in order to be societally accepted as what they perceived as a successful young woman or as a woman in that environment, right? So I always say there was this very pivotal moment of my career on the trading floor where I went from wearing the classical like button up, long sleeve, white tops and like conservative pants or like really not tight dresses to like not caring and being like, you know what? A four inch stiletto and a pencil (laughs) skirt with a bodysuit makes me feel like a million bucks. So enough's enough. I'm going to show up in what makes me feel my best. I can tell you there was a point where people started coming up to me and they were like, Jacqueline, something's different about you. Your Mm -hmm. energy, it's infectious. Like you are just on this whole other level. And it was when I decided, you know what, I'm not going to let old societal norms of what people think they need to do to be successful dictate my success. I'm going to decide that on my own terms. And when that happened, that is when my career started taking off. And I started to make a name for myself and develop these relationships with people who felt the same, right? And I feel like so many women 
in corporate America who work in male-dominated industries feel the need to be that masculine counterpart. So I work with a lot of women in finance currently, and the most common question I get asked is like, Jacqueline, how do I be confident in a boardroom with, excuse my language, without coming across as a bitch? Mm. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but if someone thinks you are bitchy or you're emotional or you're moody because you have an opinion and you're confident enough to voice it in a room of men, that is not your problem. That is a them problem. And they need to sort that out. So I feel like there's just this whole culture that needs to be debunked because quite Mm. frankly, if more women were empowered to show up as their best selves and how they're most confident, the whole landscape of corporate North America would be a better place. Oh my gosh. So much there. Yes, absolutely. And what really strikes me is that by you coming in and dressing how you want to be, what it really did was it opened up and it freed you from being so worried about image and worried about what other people are thinking or how you're going to be perceived. And you were just able to be like, F it, I'm working on what I need to get done. So it was just really like, being comfortable in your body, but how was it for your, one of the things obviously working in that kind of space is you are working long hours. You are essentially sacrificing your entire life and the way that they get you in those companies or those industries is because they pay you a ridiculous amount of money. (laughs) So you're trading your soul for yeah. that, you know, and of course, when you're young, you've got the energy, you can do it. And you maybe don't have as many of those commitments that you may have when you're, you're getting older, but still it's one of those things where it's like, wow, I'm making this much money at this young age. I get to have this crazy lifestyle that I probably never actually enjoy, but they get you with that. You know, you talked about like you had that moment. And when you said that, like when you were in Burgundy and you had that moment of like, I quit the next day. I feel like I hear that so often from individuals that are coming from that kind of space because it just pushes you to the edge. And unfortunately, those industries also have this rolling admission, right? People are constantly coming in that they don't have this incentive to change their culture as much. But Mm -hmm. so it's really up to you as the individual of what do you want? How do you really want to live your life? What's important to you? So what was it for you? How were you able to go from being a workaholic to recognizing and having that moment of like, no, I don't want to be like this. And you said that you repeated that pattern again when you were in private. So how did you catch yourself out of that? Yeah. So I've always been a big proponent of like working out. Right. Mm -hmm. So for me, like I honestly say like I was the type of person who would get up, work out at 4am, catch a a. 6am flight to Calgary, go to work, go to dinners wake up the next morning and fly home on the red eye and like do it all again. Right. So for me, when I was in corporate and when I was in private, I had all the foundations and routines and structures that I could have probably balanced the lifestyle. If I knew what I knew now, what I didn't have was the confidence in my boundaries And the self-worth to tell people no, because I was so hungry and wanted to make a name for myself in corporate, right? And to your point, there is this culture where it's like, you go, 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 and you don't stop until you make a name for yourself. You don't stop until you're known and you don't stop until you're at a certain level. So looking back, hindsight's 2020, did I have all the routines and necessary structures that I could have thrived in that environment long term if I would have continued to grow as a woman. Absolutely. But to your point, the biggest thing for me was just 
I am an overachiever and a people pleaser. I don't know if you've done the saboteurs assessment for anyone who's listening, but I recommend you do the saboteurs assessment because I'm an overachiever and a people pleaser. So me saying no was not in my vocabulary, right? So I was burning the candle at both ends and spinning my wheels, trying to make a name for myself by saying yes to all of these things and situations and tasks, right? So for me, it was really getting to that point of being like, you know what, there is more to life. And I think every woman or man for that matter needs to have almost this like coming to Jesus moment, as I call it, where you're like, you know what, there's more to life than slaving away for a job that's going to pay you a salary and then entice you with a bonus, but then like make you miserable and not being able to live the true authentic life that you want. And like, that was the moment that really, I'll say it broke me, but broke me in a really good way because Mm -hmm. it allowed me to realize where my relationship was suffering. My body and my mind was crying at me to stop. I wasn't seeing family and loved ones nearly as much as I wanted to. But again, as much as this was a byproduct of being burnt out in that corporate structure, It actually started with me. And I think like that was the hardest thing for me to really come to terms with was that, you know what, if I would have learned the boundaries and the self-worth and the confidence earlier on, I confidently will say I probably would still be on the trading floor today. So I think like that is a huge piece of this, right? Especially for the ambitious woman is don't sacrifice your self-worth, your boundaries for your ambition because the right people will respect your boundaries and the right people will learn how to lift you up knowing that you are standing in that place of confidence and self-worth. So that was definitely like the biggest learning moment for me was as much as it was the environment, it was also very much on me. And that's only something that I've really come to terms with over the last couple of months. Wow. That's really powerful. And you touch on something that I think my audience also really struggles with, which is the people pleaser, the boundaries. And so much of that, again, I talk a lot about how we're so conditioned with this because it's like women need to be agreeable. Women need to be likable and women are taught more to be the community builders. So you sacrifice yourself for the greater good and all of those things. And so with that, asking for something that you want is selfish. And it's also this ingrained thought that you haven't even really been taught ever to even know and what the tools are to be able to say no. So even to say no is scary because what comes after that? And so when you're learning your values and you're starting to learn yourself and that's like, you know, what you do in your twenties and you start to grow with all these experiences, it's also recognizing that what is my relationship with each of these like definitions I've given to these values and is corporate America or corporate, you know, in general, the way to be and how else can I fund a lifestyle that I want, or even admitting to yourself that you want a lifestyle that may be outside of your norm right now. Right. I hear this a lot with clients who feel like it's too arrogant of them to want to have a lifestyle that is not humble. And I ask women, I'm just like, okay, so what would be your ideal? Like, how would you dream this out? And they talk about it and they feel uncomfortable with it because they don't feel worthy of having and achieving that. And so that that keeps them in that cycle of that financial part where it's even increasing their prices or building a business model that allows them to dream bigger, isn't even capable for them because again, that mindset of like, well, I'm already doing this piece. And then it's like, how do I move to that next piece? And that's that mindset piece that you have to work through and break through. 
So you have had financial experience from a very young age. And obviously now you've moved into this space and you're working with women to help them see why your own financial independence is so critical. So what is something that you tend to see the most with the women that you work with and how do you shift the relationship of money with women? I always say the first place that any woman needs to start with is actually understanding your mindset and conditioning when it comes to money, right? Like Mm -hmm. your upbringing has taught you more values and more subconscious thoughts than you actually realize when it comes to money, right? So if your parents struggled with money growing up, or if money was a point of contention with your family or your parents, or if you didn't have that environment where you could take these lavish trips and like whatever, then how can you believe yourself that that's going to happen, right? Like, and this is something that I really had to work on even myself. I'd laugh now. I'm like, if I'm not buying private and drinking champagne on y'all in the next like five years, like I'm not manifesting things correctly, but it's taken me a lot to get to the point where to your point, I'm comfortable with saying that. And it all starts to your point with truthfully understanding your limiting beliefs surrounding money. And a perfect example is I've always been a saver. My dad has always been a big saver. My parents have always been big savers. So for me, money and financial safety was saving money, squirreling away money, like we would call it, right? So like, I remember when I was 14 years old and I got my first savings account for my babysitting money. So, and I was saving since I was 14. So I had all this money, but I had a very scarcity-based mindset because even though I had thousands and tens of thousands of dollars in checkings and savings and investments accounts, I never felt rich, even though I was very well ahead for a typical 19-year-old, right? And it really took me meeting my boyfriend for who was in financial management as well, for him to say, Jacqueline, you're 19 years old. Why do you have all of this money (laughs) saved away, like sell those investments, a portion of them and go live your life. Like, what are you doing? Right. Mm -hmm. So I say definitely start with mindset and your limiting beliefs. If anyone who's listened to this, send me a DM on Instagram. I do have like a little exercise that I do with all my clients. I'd be more than happy to share it because this is foundational one-on-one. Once you have the clarity surrounding those limiting beliefs and the mindsets and the blocks, then it comes to taking action, right? Mm-hmm. If every woman doesn't understand the, the basic financial knowledge that she needs to feel empowered by her money, you'll always be in a scarcity mindset. So this includes understanding debt. So people think debt is this scary, horrible word, but it's not like debt if used correctly to get a degree or to get a home or to fuel that business or whatever it is, when debt is used properly and managed well, debt can be just as empowering as having hundreds of thousands of dollars in the bank, right? Right. So understanding how to leverage debt and how to use debt, how to manage your money, how to save, what to pay down and when, more importantly, budgeting. Like people think budgeting is this boring yawn, horrible word to use, but it's so important because you need to know what's coming in versus what's coming out. Or else you have something that's called leaky bucket syndrome, where the money gets deposited and then you're like left with nothing at the end of the month. And you're like, oh my goodness, where did all my money go? Right. Right. So I always say like, do a subscription audit, like go through Mm -hmm. your credit card and your direct deposit withdrawals. And I can tell you, I did this myself about 12 months ago. And I saved over $600 a month by just unsubscribing to stuff where I'm like, I didn't even know this was coming off of my credit card. And I'm very financially aware, right? So I always say like, there's so many things when it comes to being a woman 
it is in your best interest to make sure that you're staying on top of your finances. So understanding debt, understanding when to save and when to invest. Like I always say, if you have short-term goals, save because investments need to be long-term. If you have long-term goals like retirement or whatever it is, then you invest your money. So I think there's just so many preliminary financial, like financial knowledge and financial confidence that women were never taught because it was always the man's job of the household, Mm -hmm. right? And like, that is one thing that I'm really passionate about because I truly believe that if women were empowered to take control of their finances, we would all be in a very different place. And I always say you can't become a million dollar woman if you're acting like a million dollar woman in debt, right? So you need to start becoming empowered by your financial decisions. And the only way that you can start to become empowered is if you are making yourself knowledgeable about what the right financial decisions are. So I say for every woman, if finances scare you, if banking, investments, debt, if it scares you, good, because that means you have something to learn. So equip yourself with the right people and the right learning because you'll be able to shift your mindset so much quicker. And we talk about success. Mm -hmm. Success will come 10 times faster if you are able to understand all the different puppet strings that are going on in the background that are limiting your current success. Wow. You just dropped so much there. And I I couldn't agree more. You know, I I follow Rachel Rogers a lot and she always talks about broke ass decisions versus million dollar decisions. And what you're speaking of is very similar to that is there is more in our control than we allow ourselves to believe. And we think that, well, I don't want to go there because we're scared of what we're going to see. And it's one of the same decisions and the same things that happen with, you know, if you're in a relationship and if you continue to ignore and avoid those traps, what's going to ultimately happen? You're going to distance yourself. You're going to end up in a bad, toxic relationship. And you're going to think about how did I get here? Well, how you got here is by ignoring it. And it's the same thing with our health, right? You mentioned also how you really affected your health by having burnout and you're still working on getting it back to recovery and to where it was. And that's same thing with me. It's like, I have a chronic, you know, illness. And it's just like, I can say that after the pandemic, it got worse because of just all the stressors out there. But it is that exact piece of the more that as women, we take more ownership you know, I don't even like to really use the word control, but if we take more ownership and really say that, that I am worth looking at this, like I have what it is in me. I don't need to rely on someone. We think about it in the U S women weren't allowed to have a bank account on their own independently until the 1960s. Yeah. That means that your mother was born or your mother's mother, depending on what if you're a millennial or if you're a Gen Z, but like your mom was born at a time when she was not allowed to have her own bank account. Like how crazy is that? So if we think about why we were raised the way we were raised, it's because we're coming from generation of generation of generation of women who were not just told to their face, but they were subconsciously and subtly through society showed that you are not allowed to make your own decisions. And I always say that if we could just completely rehaul the entire education system and mm-hmm. if our high school when college were made where you're not just learning about math but you're actually learning about finances you're learning about mm-hmm. your savings your investments you're learning about how a real life happens that would set all of us up for so much more success 
It's so true. And like, I always say like, when's the last time I've had to figure out the circumference of a circle (laughs) or like, you know what I mean? Like, or done an algebra equation. Like, I don't even know the last time I had to to your point, use that knowledge, but you brought up a really good point. Like I do believe our educational system is flawed. And I do believe that as women, we haven't been empowered to make these decisions because we haven't been given the means to your point. If your parents did not teach that to you, how are you expected to learn that? Right. Cause even like I went to school for finance, I have a degree in finance and I can tell you, they don't even teach you the basics of financial wellness or financial budgeting or mm-hmm. financial management. Right. So it's so interesting. Cause like coming from a finance degree, I had one course that taught me about financial management as a wow. career, but not about actually how to manage finances to generate wealth myself. And yeah. you made a really good point as well, right? Like I always say burnout has four contributing factors. There's financial, there's mental, there's physical, and there's spiritual. If you are neglecting any one of those four pieces of your overall wellness and health, you are going to bring yourself to a point of burnout, exhaustion, overwhelm, regardless, like it's inevitable, right? Because you need to be balanced with all four of those things. And a lot of people don't talk about even mental and physical people talk about those a lot, right? But like spiritual and financial are not talked about. And I think those are equally as important because I know for me, when I'm not on top of my finances, like a few months ago, I was super busy with like my visa and everything with trying to get into the States and did my financial management slip? It did. And I can tell you that it was a direct stressor to me because I was like, oh my God, did I pay off that credit card? Did I transfer that fund? Did I pay that bill? And I was like, oh my gosh, my mind's all over the place. The second I got right back into managing and staying on top of it every Friday, because Fridays are my CEO days. I manage finances and legal matters on Fridays and accounting matters. So every Friday I log into my bank accounts. I log into my QuickBooks. I touch base with my accountants and I clean everything up because when you have that mental clarity of, okay, yep, I know the full financial picture. You also, as a business owner, like let's say as an entrepreneur, I am able to make very wise investments in my business that will generate a high ROI because I know exactly what money's coming in, what money's coming out and what I'm paying down and when. And I think like there is truly a different level of confidence that comes from a woman when you are able to stand there independently and say, I can do this on my own. And this is something that I have not felt until probably the last like 12 months where I can truthfully say, I can stand on my own and I can totally hold in my personal life, in my business, with my finances. Like I can tell you the level of confidence that comes from that is priceless because you are not dependent on any one person. And you know that every decision that you're making is aligned with your true self and where you want to go. It's not someone else dictating where they feel like you should go instead. I pray that every woman gets to experience this at some point in their life because it is truly the most freeing feeling I've ever experienced. I couldn't agree with you more. And I always say this to my clients and I actually say this to myself as well. So I always say, think of yourself as the CEO of you. So not just for your business, you know, and if you're not an entrepreneur, you can still be like, 
the CEO of Pile. So in your personal life, when you're making decisions, when you're a spender or you're thinking about investing in something, how would you as a CEO make that decision? What would that look like? And because when you think from that perspective, you start to be a little bit more mindful and not as careless because if you're going into and spending money and you're thinking about this investment you have to make or that I really want to take that trip, but I don't have the funds for it. Well, as a CEO, would you do that? What would be the best decision for you and for your long-term health? Because the other piece is like getting out of that vicious cycle where it's like, you're bringing that money in, things are feeling really good. And then there's that mindset of like, oh, well, I deserve this. I've worked so hard. I've been struggling for so long and then boom, all that money gets spent. And then you're back into that scarcity space. Right. And so we see this happen a lot where I think the stats for lottery winners, for example, is that like eight out of 10 go bankrupt within the first like two years or something. It's because they don't know how to manage it. Don't know how to manage that money. Right. And so if you were to give advice and you were to talk about for an entrepreneur woman and for someone who is like, there's a lot of coaches out there. There's a lot of people out there who will say like, put it on your five credit cards and do this and do that and take the risk or manifest it. And it's going to come for you. And they say all these things and, and no one can see it, but I can see Jacqueline's <laughs> body right now having like a spasm attack with me saying all this, by the way. So as I say this, but, but it's a very real part of our digital entrepreneur world. And I would say even outside of that, because I do believe that a lot of coaches use fear-based selling. And that's something that I have seen. Someone tried to do it to me. And having been a former clinical therapist, I just remember feeling like I would never, ever want a client to make decisions out of fear and anxiety and to tap into that. I want them to make a decision out of intention because then you're setting them up for success and it's just so sleazy otherwise. And of course, as you like teaching women about their financial wealth, but for a woman who is trying to learn and figure out, well, I'm starting out in the space. I've never owned a business in my life before. I need to have a coach or I want to have support, but how do I know that this is the right debt and the right risk to take versus this is me just being impulsive. Yeah. So to your point <laughs> of my body, like I literally, every hair on my body was standing up when you're saying that, cause I'm very open about my feelings with the online space coming from the capital markets on the trading floor and coming from corporate. It's a wild, wild west out here to your point, this fear-based selling guys, like it needs to stop because mm-hmm. you are doing more harm to your clients than good when you are starting a coaching client relationship that is rooted in trust based off of you literally manipulating them yeah. into making an investment that they cannot make. So I would say like my biggest piece of advice is if you need support, definitely try to find someone that you are very, very aligned with because Again, in the online world, there's a lot of people who claim to do or be things. And I'm like, the second you dive into their credibility, you're like, "Mm, this doesn't add up. Like Mm -hmm. what you're talking and what you're selling, like there's not a connection here, right? Mm -hmm. So definitely find someone that you really admire someone who is where you want to be. That's also very important, right? Like you need to hire someone who's been through what you've gone through and is living proof that you can come out on the other side of it. But more importantly, do not be afraid to ask questions. Like I always say, when you are trying to find a mentor, a coach, a consultant, an advisor, you're interviewing them 
to be completely honest, because if you do not feel a fit with them, if you do not feel like you can fully trust them and open up, you will not have a successful relationship with them and you will not get the transformation that you're looking for. Because think of it this way. If someone tries to sell you with fear-based selling tactics and you're sitting there and you're like, oh my God, I need to put this on my credit card. It's $15,000. And like, I don't, I can't even pay my rent if I do this, but they're like, take the leap. It's going to be worth it. And then guess what? You're in this fear-based mindset where you're like chewing off your manicure because you're so (laughs) terrified about making that payment. How are you supposed to get results from that? Therefore, you start to lose trust in the very person who you should be trusting wholeheartedly. So definitely find alignment first and foremost, and do not be afraid to ask questions, guys. Like if people don't question me about my credibility, if people don't ask for results, I will actually say like friend to friends, I adore you, but like you need to start asking these types of questions when you're trying to find the right mentor. Secondly, this is where budgeting comes in handy, right? Like you need to understand where you are financially. I always say there is a time when you need to invest in yourself. There is a time where you need to invest in your business or your career. And there's a time when you need to invest in your future. There are three very different circumstances and you need to know which one applies and when. So for example, if you are sitting on $80,000 worth of debt or $20,000 worth of debt, and you are not meeting your minimum monthly payments, which like, for the love of God, guys, please always meet your minimum (laughs) monthly payments. If anything, like if you walk away from one thing, please just always meet your minimum monthly payments. Okay, guys. But if you are struggling to do that and struggling to pay rent, Do not invest in your business or your career and do not invest into your quote unquote future by investing. Mm -hmm. You need to invest in yourself and your current situation to bring you out of that hole. Do I believe that there are certain times where making a strategic investment would help you? Absolutely. A perfect example is when I first hired my mentor, I just liquidated all of my investments because I had to move to the US and TFSAs, tax-free savings accounts are not transferable across mm. border. So like more of a story, if you ever want to move countries, guys, like really look <laughs> into it. Cause like it's, a pain. it's been, yeah, it's been a full-time job on top of my full-time job. Okay yeah. guys. But with my mentor, I knew that I needed her in my corner because there was a lot of limiting beliefs I had about building a million dollar business. I could not break on my own. Did I have the cash flow at that moment in time to do it? No. But because I track my sales, I track my leads, I track my revenue, I track my profit and loss, I track my expenses. Guess what? I knew that in the next couple of months that I would be having enough cash flow coming in that I could justify that investment. So this all comes back to understanding your finances, right? This is something I work on with every single client. Like you need to understand the money that's coming in as much as the money that's going out. Because if I can look at my cash flow six months in advance and say, okay, based off the contracts that are signed, my expenses that I know that are coming out of my account, do I have a surplus or does it make sense for me to make this investment? If the answer is yes, I'm fine to pull out of my line of credit for that first payment because I know that I'm coming into a huge influx of cash over the next six months. So definitely understanding that. And again, it comes down to trusting the individual that you're working with. If they are not asking about your financial situation, if they're not asking whether or not you can truly afford this without terrifying yourself, 
you need to really reevaluate if that person has your best interest at heart because a great example is for me, right? Like I do custom payment plans with every single one of my clients because no one person's financial situation is identical to another. So why does the online world treat it that way? And I think at the end of the day, if you do not feel like you're getting the financial and emotional support that you need from a mentor by them prioritizing your financial wellness, because your financial wellness is your success guys. Like, what do we all want? We want to make X amount of money and have these freedom-based lifestyles. But how do you get that? You need that through having financial wellness. So I always say if they're not prioritizing that key pillar off the bat, you need to find someone who is. And at the end of the day, don't give into peer pressure. Mm -hmm. I've said this before, the online space makes it seem like you always need to be investing in something. Branding, web design, PR, coaches, consultants, launches. Like guys, there comes a point where you can say like, I'm good right now. I'm working on me. I'm working on my career. I'm working on my business. And at this point in time, I'm fine with not making an investment. Join a membership, join a community, join something at a lower ticket to give you that support. But don't let the online space fool you to think that you need to invest tens of thousands of dollars to get a result because you don't. That was very long winded. No, I loved it. I think that like, I think everyone will be glued to this because you have touched and said what a lot of people will not say because they're afraid of like, oh, well, I'm a coach and I don't want to say that. But it's like, that's exactly it. And one of the biggest things that also comes with this, and I know I've experienced it, is that invest in coaches and all of that. But at some point, I think it's really important to pause and stop because you need to learn to trust yourself and to trust that you can make the decisions. The reasons that we have coaches and we have people to support us through that next scale is because if you're trying to go now from making your first hundred thousand where you're like, all right, now I want to hit that 500,000. Now I want to hit the million dollars. Now I want strategy to hit like beyond million dollars and make seven figures. Yes. Fine worth it to get someone who can take you from one spot to the next because the strategies do change. But if you're having someone that's just there that you can just talk to, there's multiple things you can do. You can have a, create your own mastermind of women that you admire and women that are complimentary in spaces where you can meet with them, whether it's every week, you know, like I have that actually on Fridays in the morning, I have a group of women that we connect every other week and we get together and we talk about what's going on, what our pain points, share ideas with us because we've gone through that. And then we can help each other. And that's what you need. Join communities that you can be a part of and learn from there. Now, one of the things that I'll say is like by pausing on having a coach and giving yourself time to not have one, it can be scary. But what happens is that because of this online space of like, you always need someone to be on your side, you can fall into a codependent relationship because you're constantly Mm -hmm. dependent on someone telling you and guiding you that you're stopping to trust your own internal gut of like, what are the decisions that I want to make? And have I learned enough? You know, think about it like school. Are you going to just stay in school for the rest of your life? Because, oh, well, I could learn that one more thing. I could learn that one more thing. That right there is a perfectionist who's not allowing themselves to release their limiting beliefs and actually step into the space of trust yourself, have the confidence to know you. So having that pause, I think is really important, not from a financial perspective, but from a mindset perspective as well. Yeah. To your point, like, Coaches, consultants, advisors, mentors, they are not a crutch. 
they are a support mm-hmm. system. And to yeah. your point, when you start to see them as a crutch where you cannot operate without their know-how, their say, it's a toxic relationship, quite frankly. Absolutely. And I always say like, my goal is never to work with my clients forever. Do I want to? Absolutely, because I love them so much and I would love to be able to support them. But if I am not teaching them how to do all the things that I am helping them with, they can go do it on their own. I didn't do my job correctly. And I think like that is also something that's very broken about the online Mm -hmm. space is people hold back resources and advice and tools because they don't want these people to be able to go do it on their own because Mm -hmm. then they wouldn't have a business model. But I always say I'm of the mindset if I can teach a hundred women how to grow and scale their wealth and their business to a million dollars. And then they can go and help a hundred women grow and scale and multiply their wealth and businesses to a million dollars. Like we now have so many more millionaire women who are helping other women become millionaire women. Like why (laughs) wouldn't we all want that? So it's just, it blows my mind that so many people don't take this mindset and it comes back to scarcity versus abundance, right? Mm -hmm. Like I now live in a very abundant mindset. It's taken me a long time to get here, but Again, I never want to feel like someone has to work with me for the rest of their life to be successful. I want to give them all of the keys, all of the resources, all of the tools. And guess what? All my clients, I'm sure it's the same with you. They become friends anyway. So it's like, I have sisters in Australia, UK, South America, Canada, US, and like wherever I go, I know I have this network of sisters who Mm -hmm. we could meet up for a drink tomorrow. And it would be like, well, we're still working together and like nothing ever happened. So I think like we could reframe this conversation to everyone is fighting for their own wealth and their own client base and their own knowledge in corporate and in entrepreneurship and just switch to this very collaborative, like true collaboration over competition mentality where it's like, you know what? We're all better off if we help each other the world would be such a beautiful place. And I think so many people lose sight of that, especially in the online space. You know, one thing that I teach and I believe in really strongly is the value that we put on words and our communication style. And one of the biggest things that I've been talking about a lot right now is even little words such as versus, you know, this versus that instead of this and that. So we put so much of that scarcity of like, well, it's either got to be this or that. And that gives that all or nothing thinking as if not everything is allowed. Right. So it's that same mindset that comes from, especially women that come from corporate, like myself and yourself, where you're in a space that we're constantly hearing it now, especially now too, where not enough women leaders at the top, not enough women, this, you know, only position for two women leaders here. Well, I understand why we're saying that because we're trying to bring the message and awareness that we don't have enough women that are in spaces of making influential decision-making power. But that message of saying that there's only one woman or there's only three women here, that's still also sending the message that there is only a limited amount of women that are allowed to be at the top. So you must fight your way to the top. And that is again, created by that male dominated masculine leadership style that's been placed. And instead, if we looked at it as, okay, we have two women here how many more can we bring up? So just by changing the way that we talk about it will actually change the near pathways and the way that we actually function with each other. So women aren't looking at each other as you're my threat, but we're looking at each other as, Hey, as I rise, I bring you up. One of the things that I'm doing in my upcoming program, and this is something I've always wanted to do is 
along with the women who are investing in my mindset transformation program, I've partnered with five nonprofit organizations that empower women. And so the total revenue that comes in for me, for my cohort, they then the entire cohort collectively gets to decide where they want 5% of that revenue to go to empower these women. And then, you know, over the one year, 18 months, on a quarterly basis, the nonprofit will give an update of, Hey, this is what we did. This is how your money was used. This is how the women were impacted. This is how, you know, their opportunities are increasing and this is the outcome. So what's happened is now that not only are you investing in your own success, but you're investing in helping another woman rise. And when we start to shift into that mindset, we don't see each other as threats. I always say, there's 7 billion people in this world. You will be okay. You will have your clients. It's okay to share. And I think that that narrative of, oh, women are catty, women are this, you know, again, where is that coming from? Who is driving that? And so shifting away from, and this is why I don't watch reality TV shows, by the way, guys, is because it's that bullying mentality in those shows. But with everything that you're saying and talking about so much of it, whether it's money, whether it's your emotional well-being and how you're showing up for your clients. So much of that comes down to, are you ready to take ownership and are you ready to take responsibility for the decisions you're making? Because if you don't, then you're going to continue in this vicious cycle with money, with your business, feeling like you're never enough. Yeah. And you touched, I, first of all, I love that you do that. Like that, like, I was like smiling, <laughs> like a, a giddy child when you were saying that. I love that you do that. But to your point, I think so much of society has pinned one, not even, not even woman versus man, mm-hmm. like just pinned everyone against each other to yeah. say like, you need to step on someone to get higher. And that's right. just the way corporate is. That's the way wall street is. That's the way the online world is. That's the way society is at this point. Right. When I think back to the people who have been very pivotal to my journey, like I can think of two people on the trading floor who defied this very, you need to step on someone to get to the top logic. My mentor, when I was on the trading floor, Rita, I love her to death because she, similar to me, she started on the train floor when she was like 21 years old, very similar story. And now she was extremely high up. She had her children, her husband worked at the bank and she understood. She's like, Jacqueline, you are your best when you work out. So if I was on the floor at 7am and it was 6.30pm and I wasn't done working yet, she would literally be like, shut the computer off, go home, work out, take care of yourself. I know you will be on your email later if I need you. Or like if my nails weren't done, she knows my nails are always done. She'd be like, Jacqueline, this Friday afternoon, go get your nails done. Like, just like go do it for yourself. And those people I think are so important and we need more of them because Mm -hmm. a lot of women do feel like they're in competition with each other. Cause to your point, the way that it's talked about is there's so little room at the top. So you need to be hyper careful about who you surround yourself with because you're in competition with all those people. But it also goes back to male conditioning as well. Like again, another mentor or friend that I have on the training floor, his name's Trenton and he's very senior. He's like managing director and head of CSG globally. Like he is a powerhouse of a man to say the least. And we became really close when I actually was leaving the training floor and we would go for lunches every single month or every other month. And we would just talk about challenges and what was happening in the space. And he was struggling with juniors as a junior, he would like lean on me. And it was this Mm. beautiful, like symbiotic relationship where it was like, I could bring anything to him and he could bring anything to me. And 
it is just this beautiful relationship where there's no judgment. There's no you versus me mentality. It's like, okay, we are in very different phases of our lives and our careers. But since we both have identified that we want the collective group of his team and my business and my team and what I'm building to both be successful. It was like, even though we're in different like classes, like he so successful, like he blows my mind, but he would value my thoughts and my opinions because he saw the value in a woman's perspective in a junior's perspective. And then someone who had a different lens and viewpoint on life than he did. Right. And I think if, more corporations, if more people would leverage that mentality to say, it's not juniors versus seniors or male versus females, but just say, this person is very brilliant at what they're doing. This person's very brilliant at what they're doing. We should connect them because who knows what brilliant idea that they could come up with and what problems they can solve. And I truly believe, I talk about the modern corporation a lot and like coming out of COVID I don't believe a lot of corporations, especially large financial institutions are primed to be successful, to embrace young millennial talent and high performing millennial. And then God forbid, Gen Z talent coming into the workforce as well. Right. And I honestly do believe that if even 5% of leaders in large institutions could rewrite the stories that they are telling themselves and therefore they are then teaching the future leaders of their institutions that you have to pin each other against each other. And it's a dog eat dog world. And rewrote that their bottom line would be astronomically better. Their retention rates would be astronomically better. And I just think so many people need to switch this mentality because once we do burnout will be reduced, there'll be higher attention, higher happiness, higher employee satisfaction scores, more revenue, more sale, just more of everything because people are operating from a place of happiness and integrity and innovation and not from this place of, oh my God, I'm terrified to lose my job. I need to step on this person to be successful. I need to do these 10 things because corporate tells me I have to do it to be successful. And it's just, there's so many things I could talk about it forever that I would just like (laughs) one day, mark my words, girl, I'll be back on the trading floor fixing these things because there is just such a better way to be going about. Absolutely, And I do think that we're moving in that direction. I think that it's very subtle, but I think that the one thing that the digital entrepreneur space has done is that because there's significantly more women that are in this space, it has really shifted and shown what the culture can look like and how success can be seen. And, you know, there was just that Forbes magazine that came out that showed that Right now, white men are the minority in small businesses and it's women who are really taking charge because corporate America, it's not flexible. It does not allow women to really show in their best way. And by taking that and saying, all right, well, I'm going to go ahead and leave. I mean, I believe it's about 42% of employees right now are ready to walk away from their jobs instead of coming back into the office. Yeah. And yeah. That is I saw really, that it was on Bloomberg. I think. Yeah. I it's on Bloomberg. crazy, yeah. you know, and to me, I was smiling ear to ear, but I saw that because people, I think with, if anything, this pandemic has shown people is that you absolutely are in position to take ownership of how you want to lead your life, the way that you've had it. It doesn't have to be, well, this is just the way it is. No, if you subscribe to that, then things will never shift and you will live in that narrative. 
we've talked about so many things and I could seriously talk to you for hours, honestly, <laughs> like you're just so amazing and your story and just what you've done. And you can tell your passion and your commitment is so, so honest and genuine to help women become these millionaire women, but even more so than millionaire women's, I think that what has been really powerful to hear from you is that, you know, to get to that position is of course incredible, but it's starting with those small wins because those small wins and looking at those subscriptions that you don't even realize you're paying or looking at my worth investing in right now. I don't need to invest in this. Those small, small steps that you're going to take are what's going to make a difference for someone, especially when they're just getting started because they can be really nervous making these decisions around money when they've never had to do that before, or if they've ignored it. So I wanted to ask, and I ask everyone these two questions. The first question is what would you describe as the unapologetic woman? What does that mean to you? What is the characteristics of that? And second question for that is who is that been in your life? I would describe the unapologetic woman as someone who's a unapologetically confident, financially free and claims her ambition with no concern about how it's perceived. I think the true unapologetic woman is one who knows her worth, who knows her values, who knows her boundaries, and is willing to unapologetically stand in that, knowing very well that she might have to forego various opportunities before she finds the right people, the right job, the right opportunity that values her worth. I think self-worth is a huge part of that and confidence because the unapologetic woman has to be confident. Like she has to make sales sexy and confidence her best asset. In terms of someone who has been that version for me, like I would have to say, honestly, my mentor Rita from the trading floor, we actually still talk to this day and I owe a lot of my growth as a young woman to her because again, she taught me, she was one of the ones who taught me this, that it's collaboration over competition. And yeah, you got to hit your numbers and yeah, you got to be cutthroat sometimes, but never do that at the expense of your health. Mm -hmm. And she always taught me to prioritize my relationships. And when she found out that my dad was battling stage four cancer, which I didn't tell anyone because I didn't want sympathy when I was working on the trading floor, she literally almost started crying and was distraught. and was like, why didn't you tell me this Jacqueline? Like I would have allowed you to spend more time with him and been more flexible, but she just truly embodies everything of, you know, that if you piss her off, you're in the doghouse, but like (laughs) in a good way. But at the same time, she was just so nurturing and so warm and allowed me to realize that not all women need to be in competition with one another. And quite frankly, if you have the right type of mentorship, you can become anything that you want to be. And I had a call with her a week and a half ago and she always loves to hear what I'm doing and she follows me on Instagram. So she's like, I always see you globe trotting around the world and living this life. And there was never any animosity with me leaving her team. I left her team and it was never there. It was truly, you're amazing. I love you. You're going to do amazing things. And every time we talk now, she's like, I had no doubt. Like when I was like, Brita, I'm getting featured in Business Insider. She's like, I had no doubt, Jacqueline. I'm like, and Forbes. She's like, had no doubt, Jacqueline. And she just always kept saying like, keep reaching higher than the stars because like you're one in a million and like the sky's the limit for you. So I mean, I hope she hears this. I will send it to her because she's been such an influential part of my life. And this is just goes to show you guys 
what good mentorship can do for you as an ambitious woman. For sure. Absolutely. I think having other women in our corner is so important. So with everything that you've already shared and how can people find you, where do they find you and how can they work with you? Because I can tell you, I don't think there's not one woman who needs your help. Thank you. So you guys can follow me on Instagram. Obviously we'll link Instagram, mm-hmm. my website, email as well. I always say my email, my DMs are always open. So if you guys are struggling, you want support, like I never don't respond to something. It's just not who I am. So if you guys ever need support, you know where to find me. I actually just recently launched a new women's only workspace called Million Dollar Woman Workspace. So this was made for the modern ambitious woman. And the whole reason why I created this workspace was because this was everything that I wanted as an ambitious woman, but could not find, right? So I always say it's high-end support delivered over a glass of champagne. For those of you who know me, I love a good glass of champagne. (laughs) But more importantly, this is where you have me and all of the women who supported me to where I am today are also in this workspace where we basically help you unapologetically shout out a glass ceiling and become a million dollar woman. So what I love about this workspace is not just business focused. Like I actually take the learnings I do with private clients and do it in group settings. We also do all different things that million dollar women do. We do quarterly wine chats and wine tastings. Like we have an in-house sommelier that comes in because it's super fun and different. We do weekly workouts and wellness seminars and meditations because you need to prioritize that. But more importantly, just having that really safe space as a woman to share the ups, the downs, the pitfalls, and to have a true network of women who, again, are in collaboration and support of you and are not in competition was something that I could not find. So I created that through Million Dollar Woman Workspace. So you guys can join that via um, Instagram. It's on my website. It's on every social media platform that I exist. It's truly my labor of love. It's my baby because again, as you know, you can only work with so many women. So this is my way of reaching the masses at a very affordable rate. So that is definitely the best way that you guys can get more from me and hear more from me. Amazing. Thank you, Jacqueline, so much. I mean, you know, financial and money mindset and what I can hear and what I see is that, yes, we're talking about money, but you're teaching so much more about than that. You're teaching confidence, you're teaching empowerment, you're teaching to really love yourself. And that is one of the most important things that a woman can learn. And so I just want to say thank you so much for being here. And guys, make sure that you follow her on Instagram, that you join her community. It will probably be one of the best decisions you'll make. So thank you, Jacqueline, for being here today. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to The Unapologetic Woman. If you like what you heard today, then please subscribe so you'll get real-time updates when I post a new episode. And if you really believe that others should be hearing this, then leave a rating or review this episode so others can find it too. And if there's something you'd really love for me to cover or highlight, then head over to my Instagram account at Pileberry. DM me to let me know. I'm all ears. If you want free resources, practical tips, and inspirational stories that I share with my clients, visit Pileberry.com and subscribe to my newsletter. You'll get them all. Until then, take a moment to celebrate your journey, reflect, and be ready to embrace your next epiphany.